With the first pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select DeAndre With the second pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Marvin Bagley III Come on. Duke University. Come on. Come on. With the third pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Atlanta Hawks select Luka Doncic from Ljubljana, Slovenia and Real Madrid. With the fourth pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State University. With the fifth pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Dallas Mavericks select Trey Young from the University of Oklahoma. With the sixth pick in the 2018 NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select Mohamed Bamba select Chandler Hutchison from Boise State University. Free agent fever. And we are back for another episode of the Stay Oz Podcast. Of course, as usual, I'm Chris and I'm with my main man, Jordan. Hey, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. If you're feeling for a little Stay Oz, we didn't broadcast last week, but we were guest spotting uh, on the Triangle Offensives. We consider them my brother's show. We did a little uh, live draft podcast with them. So if you want to get a little taste of Stayos, uh, you can go check out the Triangle Offensives. It's a three-part episode that we did on the draft. Very entertaining. So uh, we ask any who listen to check them out as well. Yes, yes. But as for us, we got a few things we can dive into. We can re- have a quick review of the draft especially from the Bulls' vantage point. We know the Bulls drafted Wendell Carter and Chandler Hutchinson. Uh, Wendell Carter with the number seven pick, Chandler Hutchinson with the number 22 pick. But overall, Jordan, uh, what NBA team do you think may and, – and I don't like coming up with drafts to, uh, draft grades extremely early because we yeah. don't know what these players are going to become. But from the surface, what team do you think may have put themselves in the best position after draft night? Uh, just based off of the draft, man – I'm going to have to go with the Phoenix Suns, not just because obviously they had the number one pick in the draft. That has a little to do with it, but that's not the main reason. Their whole draft went very well. You got DeAndre Aiden, you know, supposedly the best big man in the draft, physically ready for the, for the NBA, has a great inside-outside game. That's what Phoenix needed was a big man to compliment Devin Booker and Marquise Chris and all of those other cats there. So that's a very, very good team. And then I got another shocker with another top 10 talent going right back to the Phoenix Suns after a trade with Philly for Mikael Bridges. So you got DeAndre and Mikael Bridges. You filled up two spots to go along with, once again, Devin Booker, who's already planted himself very strongly in the league. Now you have a, a very good core of talented players that you can build around and that can grow together for the next 10 or so years. So, so uh, 
I think that they definitely get an A in my book. It, it has to be the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, uh, the Phoenix Suns did well, making moves necessary. Also, like what the Dallas Mavericks did, they went and got who they wanted. They went and got Luka. And they also picked up Brunson uh, in the second round. Mm, I'm not yeah. sure how Brunson's game will translate to the NBA. Honestly, Brunson in, in college was very effective, but he played kind of like a bully ball point guard. And that, yeah. that may not fly in the NBA where guys are bigger and stronger and faster. But, you know, you, you can't argue with the fact that the man had good, solid college production. And, you know, he's not going into Dallas in a situation where he's going to be the starter. You got Luka. It's going to be very interesting to see what Luka does with Dennis Smith in that oh, backcourt. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be a dynamic backcourt for quite some time. And then, you know, Dallas is, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but Dallas has already made it uh, apparent that they're going to try to be active in this year's free agency. So, yeah. Uh, and the Dallas is looking to put themselves right back on the map and have a fairly short rebuild and a smooth transition from the Dirk era. Uh, and that, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. And that goes along with what we saw that Phoenix did, like you said, with Aiton, and then going back down to get Mikael Bridges. That And that's about it. I think everybody did pretty par for the course. It's going to be interesting to see how Michael Porter Jr., who, who dropped – precipitously. Uh, no. uh, it's going to be no. interesting to see how he works out in Denver. I think Denver is one of those teams that if Michael Porter has to take a year off, they can afford that. Not that Denver was a great team per se, otherwise they wouldn't have been in the late lottery, but you know, they have enough talent to where Michael Porter Jr. has to take a year off, get his legs under him, come back the year after that so that he can be more effective. They have enough players on those wing positions to mm-hmm. to absorb that. So, yeah, that, yeah, that they remains do. to be seen. But I, I like them getting Michael Porter Jr. at that spot. Yeah, yeah, very, very good uh, spot for him to go. I feel sad for him in a sense, as you know, we kind of already digged into a little bit with Triangle Offensive. We discussed why he dropped a little bit and how those medicals came out a little bit more on the, the darker side of of things. But uh, I, I think there's word that he possibly could be sitting out for the whole year. And uh, we'll see how that impacts his his production, his, uh, his confidence, and kind of already kind of being on the shelf to start his, his career out, you know, going from the number one prospect out of high school all the way down to number 14 in the NBA draft. They definitely got a good one if he if he, if he produces the way he's supposed to whenever he plays. Man, that team is going to be talented. We will see. I, I definitely agree with you with the Dallas draft. I think Luca and Dennis Smith are going to be very good. And I know you, like you said, we're going to get into a little bit of the free agency. I'm already hearing a few things about somebody who might be coming to help out uh, who has opted out of their contract. So we'll see how that pieces together. It's all very exciting, man. It's all exciting. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the usual suspects did well, seemed like they did their homework and were in the right place at the right time and, and picked up some players that could do well for them in the future. Uh, you look at San Antonio, getting Lonnie Walker, dynamic college athlete, a reliable scorer in that Miami system. 
then I, th- I think you get him with Pop and, and get him under Pop's tutelage. He defends. He's athletic. So Pop can do something with that, even at the 18 spot. And then Indiana picks up Aaron Holiday, uh, who I thought was pretty underrated throughout the year. Yeah. He's got that Holiday blood in him. So uh, <laughs> he'll at least be average at the very least. Yeah, I didn't know it was three of them. It, it might be more. Oh, my Nose, goodness. Everyone. Holidays all over the place. Boston getting Robert Williams at 27 was shrewd. And also the Warriors picking up Jacob Evans. Uh, Defense was his calling card in college. He's also an athletic player. So that may be a good fit for the Warriors. So the usual suspects, the smart GM seem to, even towards the bottom of the draft, be able to scoop up pieces that, that can make an impact for them one, two years down the line. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. But enough about the draft. Tomorrow, as we record this podcast, tomorrow, midnight, tonight really, but tomorrow, is the beginning of the free agency period for the NBA. And we know the big story is LeBron James. He has already opted out. Um, of George course. has already opted out. And uh, like you were hitting at this with DeAndre Jordan has already yep. opted out. Um, but the even with LeBron James being the prize free agent this year, I don't think that that's the biggest domino that that everyone's waiting to fall. The first domino mm-hmm. that people are waiting to fall is what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, what have yeah. you heard so far, Jordan? Uh, the rumblings that I have heard <laughs> as I check my sources. No, I don't have any sources, but uh, what I've read is that uh, it could come down to L.A. Uh, they're going to have to give a lot to give a little in a, in a sense of the word as far as like bodies, you know, one for Kawhi, for whoever, probably got to package the whole team, Kuzma, Lonzo, Ingram, and a pick for next year. Like, like the, they got to give away a lot, but I think Magic is probably willing to do that. And uh, that may be a smart move if you can get him to guarantee that he'll sign an extension with the team. So then you you haven't just given up your whole future for one year uh, of uh, Kawhi Leonard. And then on top of that, if you do get a Kawhi Leonard to come to L.A., bright lights, then that may attract others, such as a one LeBron James, such as a one Paul George. Or whatever's going on with that. And, you know, in my humble opinion, I think things were all, are already in the works behind the scenes with these guys. I'm not going to be fooled. I think these cats have been talking to each other. You kind of heard a little bit about whatever retreat LeBron went on, some cave of wonders, a cave decision uh, that, that is going on now. So they kind of already got things in the works. Now it's just a matter of actually it being brought to the light. So uh, we'll see. But uh, I think Kawhi. I think number one on his list is probably L.A. But the the interesting thing about Kawhi is this, and, and as you know as well, has to be a trade. So Kawhi can want to go where he wants, all he wants. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's still a trade. And if you have a team out there who's willing to gamble on that one year, that Kawhi may, may you know, they gamble on a year and say, hey, after a year here, kind of do the Paul George thing with OKC. He may want to stay. 
after a year yeah. here. If they want to take that gamble, you know, they put themselves in the sweepstakes as well. And I don't underestimate the pettiness of R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich. <laughs> I do not underestimate that. I mean, and I, and I love it. I mean, I love a little chaos, a little pettiness in the league. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not an owner guy. I'm not a player guy. I just, I like to see a little drama when it comes to things like this. Um, when Absolutely. When guys think they're going to just dictate and get their own way at every, at every turn, you know, throw a little monkey wrench in there. Let's, let's see what happens. If LeBron yeah. is waiting to see where Kawhi is going to go, if I'm San Antonio, okay, let's, let's see how, how long we can put free agency on hold. We'll wait to trade Kawhi and see what happens. So, you know, the, the cards, you know, Kawhi is flexing his muscle a little bit. And, you know, of course, you, you want him to go where he can thrive and succeed. You know, you want great players to succeed. Even uh, coming here, even though I don't think the assets are here to, to deal back. But, you know, at, at the same time, San Antonio, the Spurs organization is holding the cards. So they, if they want to put you in Siberia, they can. If, if they're willing to take that risk. So. I don't know how long LeBron and Paul George would hold out for that deal. I don't think that their egos would have them hold out entirely too long to see what San Antonio is going to do either. So uh, then LeBron supposedly has promised that by the fourth he'll have a decision out. So we're oh, so it's the fourth now. Okay. Yeah, the fourth or the fifth, one of them. We should know by this time next week what LeBron James is going to do with the next okay, stage of his life. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that that that'll be nice. Uh, like I said, I don't I don't foresee it dragging out. That's just my opinion. I think that somebody is talking to somebody, man. I I just don't doubt it anymore. I mean, based off of the last decision, you know, when LeBron made it a spectacle, I don't think it's going to be like that. But I, I I wouldn't put it past any of those guys that they've already discussed something or gotten together or whatever the case may be and have have talked about maybe a destination to to form another super squad or superhero team so uh yeah we'll just have to sit back wait, wait and relax now you, we brought up DeAndre Jordan and yeah. there's already already rumors that he's leaning toward Dallas and Dallas mm. is leaning toward him mm-hmm. uh, and in this instance I don't think there's any influential Clippers that can come and hold him hostage. So, <laughs> you know, do you see that happening or do you see Dallas maybe taking another route, maybe a Dwight Howard who's likely, if it hasn't happened already, likely to be bought out after his being traded to Brooklyn? Now, you know what? I got a, I got another side comment for that as far as with Dwight. So I'm going to keep that on the back burner for now, but cause uh, there's some things that just amazes me for as talented as he is. But, uh, Regardless, I think that Dwight, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I think that DeAndre Jordan is uh, priority number one. I think that I'm going to just go out on the ledge and say it's a done deal before it is a done deal. I think uh, they, like you said, they don't have anybody in L.A. that's going to entice him to stay. I mean, Doc Rivers is not going to entice him to stay. You got rid of his son. You got rid of CP3. Blake's been gone for a year. There's nobody that that will say, hey, DJ, come on, come on back. We can develop something. We can make a championship team. Let's do this. No, no, DJ wants out. And, uh, you know, going to that team in particular, I think that's a nice piece again. Uh, I don't know what Dirk is going to do. He opted out of his $5 a year. 
I don't know if they're going to try to resign him for more or whatever the case may be. I don't know what his decision is, but let's just say he stays. And then now you have DJ him. And I believe they have another big man there already. So, you know, you have a good core of big men and you got again, Dennis Smith Jr. And Luca and Harrison Barnes and a few other pieces. A team is nice. Uh, so I could see that as far as fit being the perfect destination for DJ. And I, th- I think Dirk is just doing another contract restructure or it could be something where Dallas is kind of playing around with the salary cap and they may be trying yeah. to do some manipulation on they So in that, in that sense, Dirk opts out and maybe opens up some more flexibility and then resigns. Cause I think he, he I mean, he obviously has bird rights and whatever rights you can get uh, for playing with one team, your whole career and being as effective. So, Man, they, yeah. they it may be some cap manipulation. Mark Cuban, when it comes to businesses, is a, is a pretty smart guy. So there may be some uh, some things like that in play. DeAndre fits well there, especially now you have those guards. You're going to want to get up and run. Yeah, and and you have Harrison Barnes on the wing, and you got Dwight Powell, and you, you got some other young pieces. They're going to want to get up and run. He fits that. And then, like yeah. I said, even even if you don't go. With DeAndre Jordan, you know, Dwight Howard could be a, a, a option two, two B or something like that to where you can do similar things with him with a little more scoring punch around the basket. You may not need it, but it'll be there. Good old Dwight. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if you want to get into this now, man, but Dwight just is a is a mystery to me, man. I, I, I don't I don't I don't get him. I don't know why that dude just hasn't carved out a better career for himself. What do you mean? I it, It's like you get thrown one place, then you're thrown to the next team. I mean, I thought he had a good thing going in Charlotte. He averaged a double-double, doing very good with Kimba and those boys. Next thing you know, he gets traded or he gets uh, – uh, he, he's on Brooklyn, and then they're letting him go. You know, and for somebody who is a, a lock for the Hall of Fame, in my opinion – because he, he has definitely put up Hall of Fame numbers for career-wise. To be this just thrown around and thrown about like a prostitute is just blowing my mind. It's like the man is just, I don't know what it is that he does on the team. Maybe he's still too goofy. Maybe people just are annoyed by his personality. Maybe he doesn't have good team chemistry. I don't know what it is, but it's like, it, it's it's an anomaly, man. I don't I don't get him. I have heard that he's a bit of a nuisance in the locker room. I don't know how true that is. I know early in his career he was seen to be a bit too playful. I mean, but he came into the league as, as an 18, 18 year old. You know, being six ten doesn't make you not eighteen. So it's just it's some people who who are playful like that, and it can be irritating to older vets. <laughs> and I can see how that could rub people the wrong way. But yeah. with the Charlotte deal, Charlotte's trying to cut salary. They're trying to get under that salary cap. They're even trying to move Kimba right now. So they know that they're not in a position right now to contend. They're going to move and try to put some young pieces in place. Dwight just doesn't fit that schematic. I think that maybe they thought they could make a last, you know, one last ditch effort at the playoffs with Kimba and Dwight and try to do something there. And it, did, it didn't work out. Yeah. Why, why they continue to hold on. To and it could be because they can't really move them, but they continue to hold on to overpriced wings. Batum, 
Nicholas, yeah, huh? And and then you have uh, Kid Gilchrist, who you know, for the most part, is a is a disappointment as far as what he projected to be, and he he hasn't become anything close with what he was projected out to be. What is the other wing on that team, man? Feels like he's been in the league for like fifty five years. So we got Batum, we got Kid yeah. Gilchrist, and who? You said North Carolina. Got an outside shot. Played on North Carolina. Oh my goodness, Marvin Williams. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Williams. It. I swear, it seems like he's been playing since Muggsy Bogues been playing. Yeah, Marvin Williams. He, but he, that's another guy who came into the league young because he was a highly touted basketball player in, in high school. Uh, went to North Carolina. Came out, I think, after one year. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. he's he's been. He hasn't been bad in the league. He's he's just been kind of a kind of a guy. He's just a guy in the NBA. <laughs> we got a guy. <laughs> yeah, we got a guy, and and that's all Marvin has been. Uh, I think as far as his performance, he's an efficient player, but nowhere mm-hmm. near. You know, he was picked number two, and I don't I don't think mm-hmm. he performed what a number two pick should perform. That seems to be a bad spot throughout draft history. Number two? Number two. Yeah. Well, Kevin Durant has elevated it, but other than that. I mean, realistically, maybe number one is a bad spot. How many number ones have hit? More than twos, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I I guess when you compare those two slots, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, think about all the top players that have been picked. I don't know how many actually have hit, but – I mean, is the writing on the wall for a guy like Marvin Bagley? Yeesh. Well, look here. You already know how I feel about that. And I don't think it's Marvin Bagley. I think it's the team that you go to. I'll go out on a limb. No, let me not get too crazy. I was going to say the Spurs picking up Lonnie Walker might be better than the Kings picking up Bagley. I, I just don't like that team, man. I don't like them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's something afoot with that squad, um, the way they do things. But you know, there, there are some players that transcend even the the awfulness of their front office. You know, <laughs> and maybe maybe so. maybe Marvin Bagley can be that. Yeah, well, Demarcus was that too, and they didn't do jack. So so I mean, yeah, he'll post some good numbers, but where they gonna go? No. <laughs> oh well. We'll see. Don't, don't bring me down. Enough about the Kings. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I didn't mean to bring up your <laughs> Kings. Got your day going all bad. Oh, it's already hot outside. Yeah. I don't need any more. I was gonna say <laughs> Chicago is sweltering, man. It's like like Debo outside. You know, I just. Oh God. <laughs> I just feel like I'm red, and I just got my bike took. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Outside, like, you want a piece of this, old man? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Just drive <Not> off. <laughs> God. But yeah. But um, a little more into free agency. W- where do you think LeBron's going to go? Uh, LeBron is not coming back. I, from what I saw, he's n- he's not going to stay in Cleveland. At least I don't think he's going to stay in Cleveland. So I'm putting my stamp on either L.A. or Philly. Number one, I think, is L.A. I think it, it hinges on what, like you said, Kawhi, the first domino to fall, is going to do. 
I think once Kawhi makes his decision, I think that's when LeBron is going to follow suit. And they, they're going to form – or it could be Paul George and LeBron forming a team. I don't know. But I personally feel like it may be L.A. first and then Philly second. And uh, LeBron, to me, needs to start transitioning his game into somebody who doesn't need to bring the ball up, uh, if at all. Uh, like, he doesn't need to do that when you have young, good passers and facilitators on the, both of those teams in Lonzo if he stays and uh, in a trade. And – uh, ben Simmons. So, you know, either way, you got a good thing going. Preferably, I think he should go to Philly if he wants to make it easier on himself and still try to make it to the finals a whole bunch of times in a row and keep that streak going because the East obviously is going to be more and more, way more easier than the Western Conference. Because if you go to L.A. and still form a super team, you still got to face Golden State. You still got to face whatever OKC brings to you, even though they may not beat them, but still like the competition is on another level. Then you deal with Houston and you don't know what the other teams might, 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 you know, do over this off season to, to get better. So I don't think they would come out of the Western conference. They may get to the Western conference finals uh, if that, but I think his best bet would be to go to Philly, but I think his number one on his list is LA. Yeah, I'm I'm in line with that. I've even heard some whispers of Boston in the mix. Oh boy, with Boston possibly trading Kyrie for Kawhi, or including Kyrie in, in a deal, and trying to reel in LeBron. So that's in the mix too. I'm like you. I don't unless LeBron has resigned himself to the fact that it's not about the titles anymore. That he's good. Not saying he's not going to try to win, but that his legacy is is stamped. That he doesn't yeah. have to be hoisting a trophy anymore for the rest of his career. Then he can go to LA and and get the star power and uh, be with his son who plays out there. And but if he does that, like you said, he has to be willing to come to grips with the fact that he's not going to make the finals, or he likely won't. And I mean, his fandom will still feel like he will, but he likely won't make the finals. Yeah. And that he may not even own that town. Yeah. Because, honestly, even though he's overall a better player, the guy whose town that is is the guy that's about to get you to put your name on that contract. And even even with Kobe and Shaq having come there and Magic by his own admission saying Kobe is the greatest Laker, it's still Magic's town, you know? So is is he ready to be in a situation where he's not the man, where he's not the focal point of the franchise? You know what? I think his I think Magic is going to do his best to make him feel comfortable if he does come there and not get in his way of being the man and getting the spotlight. The good thing is Magic isn't playing anymore, so – that part is you don't have to worry about, but if it is Magic's town, I think Magic has the smarts enough to know, hey, what I'm, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get LeBron comfortable to make it seem like this is his town. He is the man. He is the man for L.A. He's going to be the man, you know, as soon as he steps foot in here. So they're going to do whatever they need to do to reel him in. I, I can guarantee you that. Magic is a businessman now, and I think he's going to do what's good for business. And, and he can do that, but, you know, to what extent does that affect the fan base there? That's true. 
So with Paul George, do you see him trying to get to L.A. too, or do you see him? It's, it's been rumored that he's considering going back. Why, I don't know, but he's considering going yeah. back to OKC. I mean, I respect that. I honestly do. You know, as, as a competitor myself at times when I get on that court, if I lose, I don't want to switch teams and go to somebody else that I know is good. I want to play against that team. I want to play against somebody who beat me. I want to go again. I don't like leaving things as it is if I don't get another shot at that ring or that title or that, that number one spot. So I feel him on that side. I, you, you can respect that type of competitive drive because, you know, that that's kind of – where, you know, old school basketball was uh, or as far as like the 90s and Jordan's day and, you know, Bert, they, they didn't team up. They wanted to, hey, if you beat me, I'm coming back at you. So if he re-ups with Russell Westbrook, more power to him. I don't see that happening. Uh, I, rather, I don't see it working. But if that's what he wants to do, okay, fine. I, again, think he may go to L.A. And I, from what I believe, he's from L.A., right? Yep, he's from that area. So, so there you go. That 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 factors in. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I think his best bet would be L.A. too. But, again, it, it really all depends on how all these different chips fall. I think they're all going to be connected in some sort of way, or at least most of these free agent uh, players, most of these top players, they're going to be connected in some sort of way and see who goes first and second and third. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think L.A. is really one of the top destinations for a lot of these guys. I mean, I, I don't think they'll be able to get them all. I still, I still don't, don't think that. And having an effective squad, I mean, I know LeBron can play the four, but you got Paul George, Kawhi, and LeBron. Again, it's a situation. Fortunately, Paul George had the experience with Russ; he can play off the ball a bit. LeBron is rumored to be wanting to play off the ball, and obviously Kawhi, uh, even though he wants to be a star, he wants to push that that envelope. He still he, – he sprung his roots playing off the ball. So you have three guys who may be willing and may be able to cooperate together, but they all play similar mm-hmm. positions on the court, and I think that could create a bit of an issue too, especially when you have the Spurs who are, are saying, let's think about it even when you know, the Lakers are supposedly offering Lonzo, Kuzma, and Ingram. So, and for the Spurs to say, hey, uh, we'll still mull that over. That may not be enough. So that cover is going to be bare, even if you get all three of those guys. And I don't think that beats Golden State. Okay. Yeah. And then back to my, my need for chaos and pettiness. If I'm a <laughs> team, if I'm a team in the NBA, early on, I hit Julius Randle with, with a pretty good sized offer sheet. To see what the Lakers mm. are gonna do. Mm. You know, mm. He's he's rumored to be a piece. That would be so petty, and 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 I love it. I would do it all day. <laughs> One other free agent that we want to consider a uh, potential uh, or free agency news is the Zach Levine deal. And Uh-oh. he's a restricted free agent for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, and it's been leaked that. The contingency if Zach Levine chooses or ends up elsewhere would be Rodney Hood going after him. So, uh, as much as I don't like going into other men's pockets, uh, I, I do speculate a bit. What's your cutoff for Zach Levine? How much are you willing to pay 
per year for Zach Levine's services? You know, I didn't want to bring this team back up, but I mean, unfortunately, I have to because the rumor is Zach Levine has extreme, strong, huge consideration interest from the Sacramento Bums and uh, I'm sorry, Kings. And uh, they uh, offer, well, they might give him everything that they got. From what I know, I believe that would be close to 18 million a year. I'm not sure if maybe they might give him a little more. I'm not sure. But for me, the cutoff would be around that, around 16, 17, 18. Um, I do want to keep Zach Levine no matter what, but there is a price that I just will not put on that table for him to sign for. Now, you know, I still need to see you prove that you can be what you say you want to be and your talent says you should be. I mean, the talent that Zach Levine has – should make him a superstar if he puts it all together. Like, if we're going to be honest, his his talent is unquestionably there for him to be one of the best players in the league, or at least the best player on his team. Um, but the inconsistency, obviously coming back off from injury, which is another reason why I don't want to be so quick to letting him go, is there were a lot of hiccups last year when he came back, but that was because, you know, he's coming off of a, a very – Career threatening, I should say, because of, of past experiences with people like D Rose. We know how bad a torn ACL can be, and you know what the recovery time is for that, and what that can do to a person's career. You know, depending on how they perform after that. So when he came back, you know, he was hit and miss. He was hit and miss. He had really good games. He had a good game against his former team. He had a, a couple of other good good games against certain teams, but it was just very inconsistent. He wasn't hitting a lot of the three point shooting, three point shots. He was rushing a lot of shots. It seemed like he was forcing his game because he was always on a minutes restriction. Um, but uh, I think the 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 offseason, not being on minutes restriction, getting a little stronger, having a little bit more confidence on no, and not, not worrying about that, that injury anymore, being a year removed from it, I think all of that piecing together, plus whatever else he put into his game, hopefully will kind of elevate him to the next level um, along with the other young Bulls. I don't want to see him leave, but if it, if there is a price that I will not go over, it's probably twenty million, or, or close to that. I, I don't. I'm not going to pay that much for somebody who has not proven that kind of money yet. I'm right there with you. My analysis of Zach Levine is very similar. One, I'm. I think nineteen is about my cutoff. Nineteen million, and that and that's considering that the market value for NBA players. For the average NBA player, the market value is higher. You know, if, if you're looking at, say, uh, Tony Snell, who a couple of years ago got $12 million, you know, Zach, Zach Levine, <laughs> wow. you know, he's good for 18, 19. Yeah. And there's that. Like, his his athleticism and his talent are undeniable. But, you know, I have my, my issues. I don't want to see him go. I think, in my opinion of Zach Levine, he is a solid piece. He's a solid okay. piece. I don't think he's – I don't even think he's the best player or should ever, with the current uh, structure, be the best player on this team. I think Zach Levine would be better suited to be the second or third best player on the team, especially in this era of, of the talents that you're playing against. I think Lowry should be your best player, your go-to guy. And to have, you know, have two good, solid players who can create their own offense – and give you 20 mm-hmm. plus points, that's, you know, you're not going to argue with that. You just want them to be able to work together properly. 
here's my issues with Zach Levine, though. I'm following him on social media, and he's he's doing some great stuff. He's working his butt off, putting in the workouts, putting in the work, you know, rain, sleet, snow, heat. He's putting in the work, and I see it. The one thing I'm not saying, and, and it could just be something that he's not, not giving us, I'm not saying much work that will accentuate his defensive abilities. Yeah, I need, I need right. Zach to at least at least be an average defender, and he's not even that. On top of the fact that he's an inefficient scorer. Now we may chalk that up to what you what you described. I'm on minutes limit limitations. I'm on a restriction. Uh, I'm also in, entering into a contract off season. Let me put up some shots. Let me get some points. Let me get some stats. Let me put some in in the in the box score that's going to validate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. He may be doing that, but you also have to keep in mind that we also are in the age of analytics that, you know, while some teams might be deceived by looking at, you know, 22 and, and five and five, you know, with analytics, you can also see how you're getting your 22, five and five. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. And, and what is being sacrificed for your 22, five and five. So you, you have to you have to keep yeah. that in mind. Twenty two five and five ain't the same no more. Uh, now you, you can dive yeah. deeper into those stats and, and see what's behind them. So you know, I need I need Zach to be a little more efficient, and and thirdly, maybe even most importantly, I need Zach to be more engaged when he doesn't have the ball. It's like that's true. you know the offense should have a flow, and whether you want to blame Hoiberg or not, there should be a flow to your offense. And when Zach passes that ball, if he either knows he's not supposed to get the ball back or or he's constantly working to get that ball back, it's almost like he takes him out of the offense. He looks disinterested at times, especially if the play isn't designed for him. When you have a situation where you got another guy in Lowry who's a promising up-and-coming star who, you know, in my opinion, when he maxes out, is going to be a 22-23 point a game score at least when he maxes out. You're going to have to show me that you can do something to contribute in other ways and that you can continue to show some movement and ability and desire when you're off that ball. Yeah, it's going to have to be something that's just very significant. Uh, like I said, for me, even even if, like you said, he can be an average defender, that would be okay in my book. Um, I think... With somebody, and this goes back to my opinion of Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose, to me, and even younger in, in, in his early parts of his career before he had the uh, MVP season, he showed flashes of being able to play very good defense on, on point guards and, and holding his own. I think if you have that type of athleticism, there should be no reason why you fail or, or, or fall off on, on the defensive side of the court. Uh, your athleticism should allow you to stay in front of your man, keep up with your man, be able to jump with your man, be able to try and alter the shot, or if not block the shot. You know, there's so many things that an athletic person can do. I, I just think that, yeah, that will have to be something that he adds to his game. And like you said, maybe he's just not showing it. I, I do I do like the workout videos that I've seen. I've seen a, little, a few myself. But uh, that is going to have to be something that he does to really take his game to the next level. Because you look at a guy like Clay Thompson, who is a two-way player or Jimmy Butler, you know, and Jimmy Butler doesn't have the tools naturally that Zach Levine has. And so 
you know, with defense, the offense comes from, you know, what you want to put up and, you know, you, you get in your own defense is, is just truly about desire. Yep. Do you want to play defense? Do you want to stop your man? You know, you saw in the playoffs, Nick Young came out of nowhere and had a few defensive stops on uh, in, in, uh, with Golden State, I believe, a few times. Nick Young don't play a lick of defense. It's not that you don't know how, but do you want to? Do you want to exert all that energy to stop somebody, or do you want to put all the energy on the other end of the court and shoot threes and look flashy and dunk over people? Okay, that's cool, but if you truly want to be great, you got to complete your, your, your craft. You got to complete – you need to be a complete player. So uh, I'm with you on that, man. He has to show some sort of uh, competence on the defensive side. You got to round out the repertoire, man. I mean, it's, it's – like you say, defense – 95% of defense and rebounding is heart and desire and want to. You know, there there's some some – physical gifts that can make some people better defenders than others. Some people are stronger rebounders than others. Like I look at Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was a strong cat, so he was able to use his strength mm-hmm. defensively. You look at some guys in the past who were able to jump high, you know, who, who became better rebounders. But a lot of that was still will too. Like if you take a Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman was a workout machine. You know, he worked on his craft. Mm-hmm. So he could he be was. a little stronger, have a little more endurance, jump a little higher. And it's the same can be true today. If you have the desire and the want to and you're putting in the work, you can be a better defender. You can be a better rebounder. Uh, you know, some, some things, like you said, are just natural gifts. But other things, you got to put forth the effort. And, Zach, you yeah. got to see the effort, man. I mean, if you, you want to get paid like a star, you got to put in the effort. Even if, if, you're, if you're the Bulls and you're saying, okay. Because if you think about it, right, if Zach Levine goes out and he gets him a, a three- or four-year deal, when this deal is over, he's still 26, 27. You yeah, man. Deal. So you got to you gotta show us something, man. You got to show us something. Now that we're talking about the yeah. rules and we're talking about work and desire and we've talked about pettiness, let's combine it all. <laughs> okay. Wendell. Oh, I hate Wendell. Wendell Carter's mom. <laughs> I told you I felt about the name Wendell. Wendell sounds like a guy who has night train on him at all times. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. The name is not that good, man. Just, just be Wendell, man. Just be Wendell. <laughs> okay. No disrespect. No, and, and, and based on this story, I do not want to disrespect Wendell Carter's parents. Yeah, yeah. she going to come after she, you, bro. She's uh, in waiting. If if coach <laughs> they move into Chicago if too, if Coach K can get it, I know I can too. So, <laughs> so no disrespect. I, I'm just more comfortable with calling that man Wendell. But anyway, they, but it's some beef that you noticed this week between uh, yes, Miss Carter and Coach K, oh, Mike Shashesky. Yeah. What did you notice there, Joe? I mean, I called you Joe Jordan. <laughs> That's my that that you can shorten I, my I, name up. I, I'll take Joe. I don't. Joe. I don't want uh, <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, Miss Carter, Miss Carter, Miss Carter, boy, you got some anger in you. The story is, I guess when Wendell, uh, I'll I'll stick with that one. Wendell Carter Jr. was recruited out of high school to Duke, 
the idea was that Coach K said, yeah, Wendell, we're going to have you be the focal point of the offense. That is what was said. Then, out of nowhere, Marvin Bagley says, you know what? I'm going to be eligible a year early. <laughs> Forget your plans. I'm coming to Duke, and I'm going to be the man. Mama Carter didn't like that at all. They were told one thing, and then it became another, meaning Wendell Carter, who was a five-star prospect out of high school, just like Marvin Bagley was, came to Duke and was told he would be the man. And now because of that, she's complaining that that kind of lowered his draft stock, his draft value in this year's draft, even though he went to number seven. But apparently, had that not been the case, had Marvin Bagley not been there, then Wendell Carter might have been averaging a double-double or something along the lines of what DeAndre Ayton was averaging for Arizona when it was clearly his show. He was clearly the man. He was clearly the only big man that was on that team that they went to. Uh, so, you know, in my personal opinion, Chris, I don't blame Mrs. Carter for her personal feelings. I mean you can't really fault somebody's mama for feeling that type of way because the mama wants to see her son do the best that she can. The mama wants to see, uh, wants everyone else to see what she already knows. My son is a beast. My son is the best basketball player in the world. And he's going to Duke. Duke is always got all type of exposure. They're always on TV. Now's his time to shine. Wait a minute. Nope, we got somebody else in there. So I, I feel her. I understand where she's coming from. But at the same time, I got to be balanced in saying it's not the end of the world. Your son went number seven. And I'm also, maybe I'm even thankful that he was able to go number seven. Like I said before, maybe there's things that he wasn't able to show or, or bring out to his full ability, his full capacity, because he had to play the shadow to Marvin Bagley. So he did all of the dirty work. He was the garbage man. He got the rebounds. He got the putbacks. He got a lot of, he got a little uh, offense ran through him, but mostly he played second fiddle to Marvin Bagley. That was very obvious. And he still did his thing. So maybe there's a lot of hidden gems in Wendell Carter that we have yet to see. Kind of like what Laurie Markin Markin turned into when he came from Arizona to the league. I thought that man was just a spot up shooter, big man. I didn't think he would be anywhere near anything, anywhere near what uh, he has already turned into. Uh, so I, I, I have to say, Mrs. Carter, forgive me, but just just relax a little bit. Now, don't come to Chicago and look for the Stay Eyes podcast, brothers. We just speak in our mind. We have the freedom of speech. I understand where you're coming from, but relax. Wendell went number seven. It's going to be okay. Here's my deal. And I, I respect her as a mother for being involved in her son's future, involved with her son's playing and, and how he's perceived and viewed and how he performs. The NBA draft isn't predicated totally, totally on numbers. What, yeah, we know what that. What she's saying basically is that if Marvin Bagley wasn't there, Wonder would have put up better numbers, would have got him drafted higher. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Marvin mm. Bagley gave you what, 22 and 11, something like that? Yeah. Does Wendell Carter do that in college, you think? 
I think if he stays for a year or two, he might have been able to average it. And, but I can't say. I can't a, say that he wouldn't have been able to But not as a freshman, in my opinion. But anyway. It probably would be a little bit less. I, I have to say maybe 18 and 8 or 18 and 9 or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe. I don't know. Even if Marvin Bagley had given you 17 and, say, 7, do you think he'd have still yeah. went number 2, number 3? Mm. Well, Depending on the way he put those numbers up, it would it would matter the way he put his those numbers up. I do because here's the thing. Okay, he's still a quick leaper. He still has one of the quickest second jumps that many of the scouts had ever seen. He still was a quality rebounder, and that skill translates well. Just like Wendell Carter, he's a quality rebounder. Uh, he still has the same deficiencies. I look at DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton played out of position his entire year at Arizona because he had to concede to uh, Dusan Ristich. Ristich, yeah, because right. Because Miller wanted to continue starting Ristich. So, yeah. really, Ayton, who's a natural center, was playing power forward all year, which opened up his game and enabled him to display more his ability to make shots from the perimeter. Wendell Carter had to, you have to look at things as an opportunity somewhat too. So what is this going to allow you to display on the next level? And I know everything gets tied up in this, but the fact that these workouts that they have, those play the workouts, the physicals, the combine stuff, those to me play bigger roles in where your draft stock goes than what your numbers look like in college. Muhammad Bamba did not average what Wendell Carter averaged. Jaron Jackson did not average what Wendell Carter averaged. You know, there's players who went in front of him who didn't put up the numbers that he put up. I think the one person whose numbers helped him the most was probably Trey Young. Not saying Trey Young is going to be bad, but if you just the fact that he put up just such astronomical numbers on the college level that that was so it was undeniable. But everybody else was just kind of in a jumble. Uh, you gave us these numbers, great. There's guys like Chandler Hutchinson who put up great numbers in college, and he went 22. Also, when you sent your son, when you talked to your son, he said, I'm going to do. You have to be mentally prepared that some sort of sacrifice could potentially be made. How many players have we seen leave high school and go to Duke thinking they're going to be the man or coming from a school where they were the man and ended up not being anywhere clear, close or near being the man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So how many players have, do that? have we seen do that? So you have to go to Duke with the understanding that if something were to change on the team, your position, your role on the team may in fact change. You want to do. Now, if you want a Wendell card to be the man unequivocally, undoubtedly, you should have sent him to Georgia Tech, Georgia, yeah. Vanderbilt. But you sent them to Duke. Duke gets four to five McDonald's All-America every year. Yeah. So even if he comes in, sits on your couch and says, your, your son is going to be the man. That's why we're recruiting him. Who's to say somebody else won't come through and fall right into Coach K's lap? And he has to change course. Yeah. Look at NBA free agency. Right. So you go in and you sign a guy or you have a guy on your team. And from the looks of it, you tell Zach Levine, hey, you know, we want you to be our star player. 
and then you somehow end up with the number one pick and you go out and you draft this next generation player and he becomes a star player. Is that going to get yeah. bad? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's these things happen. So now, like you said, take the fact that your son is still the number seven pick in the NBA draft, still in a good position. And honestly was drafted higher than most people thought he would be. Yeah, absolutely. Take that and run with it and enjoy Chicago. <laughs> enjoy the city, you baby. Could, you could have switched places with Marvin Bagley and you oh boy. with your son in Sacramento, California. Yeah, go ahead and uh, have fun over there, Bags. We'll have a heck of a time. Uh, you know what? No, I, I I agree with you. And and one thing I do want to say is these atti- this, this attitude and this the, these feelings that Mama Carter has has uh, put out there uh, for everyone to see. I have to say, Wendell has not shown the same attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a class guy, uh, and you saw that even when he was playing at Duke, it didn't seem like oh he was trying to fight for stardom or or. You know, he, he played his role. He fulfilled his role. And he did it, obviously, in my opinion, to the best of his ability. He did his thing. And it it, it got to the point where it's like, okay, he, he doesn't mind playing second fiddle, even though maybe there are some things that he could display that he's not displaying. Maybe he could show us a little bit more of an of a, of a inside-outside game, but he's just not doing it. Or, or maybe he, we can run the offense through him, but, you know, he's going to – uh, take the back seat. So I, I have to say, when you get somebody who's like that and also talented as much as Wendell is, that's a win-win as well. So, you know, it, it, it's I have to say it's admirable on his part that he hasn't gotten sucked into the whole Coach K, Mama Carter issue, uh, at least from what I've seen or heard, uh, and 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 has, have kept his uh, his head on his good on his shoulders. So, you, you definitely got a good guy in Wendell Carter, man. He's going to keep his head on straight. Those are the type of players you need who uh, don't mind doing what they need to do for the team, for the for the betterment of the team so that the, the you can get a W at the end of the day rather than just averaging, you know, God, God, gaudy numbers and still losing like I think Marvin Bagley is about to experience. But now you're on a team where – you probably will have a better career than Marvin Bagley because you fit what they're they're doing. You don't mind taking a backseat to possibly Larry Markkinen or Zach Levine or whoever else might come in in the coming years. You know how to play with a team, and uh, I think that that can't be overstated. Um, Wendell Carter's not going to have a better career than Marvin Bagley. So. That brings me, and, and your description of Wendell Carter, I, I love his maturity, how he was able to deal with that adjustment. That's, that speaks volumes to him and to this phrase that I hate when the Bulls use. I like people like this. I hate when the Bulls <laughs> use it. It's high character. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear that anymore at a press conference. <laughs> we drafted him. He's a, he's a two high character guys, and we love high character guys. That's great. You know what I love? You know Give me a jerk that's going to give me 37 and 6. Uh, can I get that? Can I can I get a, a 30 point per game jerk? We had one yeah, for we'll a while. See. We had one for a while. I mean, we'll see. You know, he came into the league as a high character guy, but ultimately he was a a 30 point a game jerk. I want another one. Just throwing that out there. Well, 
Yeah, I will say maybe Marvin Bagley is that type of player. I mean, you you definitely need some attitude. Those type of guys really are the ones that just have a lot more attitude when it comes down to it. When they're pushed to their limits, they they like, okay, all right, now I'm going to just dog you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you need those type of guys too. I don't mind having a Grammy player or, or, or two. That's uh, another reason why I don't mind if Lance Stevenson gets brought to the Bulls, but that might be a pipe dream. That's a, but uh, we'll that's see. A different dude, man. He, Lance Stevenson is is good for a team that that kind of has its bearings. The Bulls don't have their bearings. He was, hey, man, I just want some entertainment. I need a few ears being blown into. Okay, I need you to get under people's skin. I want you to tie people's shoes up at the free throw line. Get a little chaos going. Matter of fact, why don't we sign him and get Nate Robinson from the big three and get that bench rolling? No. Let's, let's not bring up the big three again. Now, no, look, I found it somewhat entertaining watching the highlights. I'm not going to watch an actual game uh, yeah. unless, I, unless I get free tickets. But it had, the highlights have been entertaining, but I want to keep it at that. I don't want to, like, bring anybody – from the big three back to the NBA. I will say this. Nate Robinson has a chance to do it because he's still in shape. He always has been in shape, and he's not as old. He still still is in the age range of somebody who should be still in the league on a decent team. I would take him over campaign. I know that. You know who looks really good in the big three? A couple guys. Steven Jackson still looks really good, and he's not coming back. And Carlos Boozer has looked really good. Carlos Booze, boy, that beard, you can keep that. I I, I don't have my fair share of boozy already. I don't need no more yelling. I don't need no more undersized, underutilized defense, no help defense playing. I don't need none of that. Get on the cruise, baby. No nope. cruise is coming to the big three. And that cruise didn't already sunk. I'm off that one. Yeah, I just I just need a I need a 30 point a game jerk. That would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Maybe Zach can be that. But if he's a 30-point-a-game jerk, I may forgive some of the defensive issues that he's got. You're giving me 30 points a game, I can forgive a lot of defensive deficiencies. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing it semi-efficiently where you're getting at least six free throws a game. That's another thing. Zach, get to the line. Yeah, absolutely. That, that helps you by lows. James Harden doesn't have the greatest shooting percentages but he gets to the line, and that's what makes him efficient. Let's do that, Zach. Get some uh, some tricks under your belt, like James Harden does, or you you maybe grow a beard, and it looks like you're getting fouled even harder. <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever works. But that'll close it out for this week's episode of the Stay Eyes Podcast. We invite you all to follow us on Instagram as well as on Twitter. At Stay Awesome Podcast. Once again, I've been Chris. Joined by my side. I'll y'all next week. Hold up. No.